Hey everybody, welcome back to Critical Crafting. We're trying something a little bit different here. So as you all know, I am Dylan, your crafting DM, and I do a lot of the videos on how to make different stuff and you know different conventions and this. And I was talking with some of my group when we were playing and we were talking about how we have a lot of things that we feel like we'd like to share with the community. Everything from you know, not just the crafting stuff, but what's it like to be a dungeon master or, you know, a game master? How do you get into this? And we decided it'd be cool to kind of talk with the community and put out some more content about, you know, just being in the tabletop community in general. So I brought a couple people from my game on board and we're going to just kind of talk about some, some cool topics and Hopefully you all enjoy this. It's going to be kind of a separate little playlist. And so really hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, first off, I'm going to introduce my buddy Cameron. And if you want to share a little bit about yourself and we'll just kind of get rolling here. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Dylan. So like Dylan said, my name is Cameron. I have had the pleasure of getting to hang out with these guys for almost three years now. This is uh, actually my first foray into tabletop board games, RPG, that type of thing. So it's all kind of been a new journey for me, but it's easily one of the, the coolest things that I've ever done. So yeah, it's a blast. Sweet. Yeah. So Cameron, actually, he DM'd for, what was it, a year this past time? A uh, year and a half. Almost. A yeah. yep. year and a half. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, and it was awesome. It was really cool to see someone who, I guess, you know, came into the hobby new and then getting to DM was super sweet. So the other person... We brought on tonight is my brother, Christian. Christian, if you want to share a little bit about yourself, but maybe not too much because we all know you play a bard. So, <laughs> Yeah. Hi, my name is Christian. I am, of course, Critical Crafting's brother, as you know him, Dylan. I have known him for around 20 years now. Ooh. <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah, and I am a sophomore at Ohio State and a expert State. on oh the Ohio State, yes. And an expert in all things Gen Z, millennials, TikTok, you name it. I'm I'm in I'm in it right now, you know. So I work a lot with helping Dylan stay as uh, I guess as Gucci as he can be. <laughs> that, that's right see and that's where i'm like i'm not sure what that phrase means but i think it means cool so it's, it's I, I when i first started this channel and some of you watching might not know this and and this is a good platform to kind of share a little bit more about me and about you know all the people who work with me on this channel i reached out to to christian a lot or as i call him small one you'll probably hear me refer to him as small one on this chat most of the time even though i am about four inches taller that's that's right but you know about how to how to reach out to people in a different you know age group than i am and i send both cameron and small one a lot of my content beforehand for comments and editing and all of that and i really appreciate them which is part of why i was like hey you guys are kind of in the nitty gritty here. You know, let's kind of talk about some of the cool stuff. So one of the things jumping into it, the topic we wanted to talk about tonight was for somebody who is kind of interested in tabletop gaming, how do you get into it? You know, like how do you jump into a D&D &D game or where do you find it? And I think things have changed a lot from when, you know, I first jumped into it, but we're kind of looking at this as an open forum where we're all just going to kind of jump in and share, you know, how we think people get into it, how we got into it, that kind of a thing. So 
I'm just going to kind of open this up. I'm not really making this a, hey, I'm going to ask questions that people are going to answer. We're just going to kind of talk about this topic. So that's our first topic is, you know, how do you get into D&D or into tabletop gaming in general? And then kind of a more personal thing, you know, how did you get into it kind of a deal? You guys ready? I am. Yeah, I guess I'll start here first. I think the biggest thing was moving from my hometown to Ohio State and actually trying to find a new group and find D&D on a campus was a it was a very difficult thing for me at first because it seems like it's very once you have a group you kind of stick with them and you don't really reach out that much to other people and it's very difficult to find the main groups that you want to be in. I know that's true for a lot of different groups when you're adults too and you're out of college that once you find a group, it seems like you pretty much stick with them. And you do, if you're involved in the community, you, you do know other groups, but it's very kind of, I wouldn't say clickish, but you once you find a good group that you like, you're locked onto them. So I think it was difficult trying to find that one group, but it definitely did help with uh, reaching out to clubs and f- looking on different websites in Ohio State just to find any, I guess, clubs that were even close to the topic of role-playing games or tabletop games, and then kind of meeting the people and going from there. So how did you end up finding them? So I looked on Ohio State's website, and I was able to find this club that was actually called Tabletop Gaming. And it had everything from D&D to a little bit of, you know, risk or you know, random board games that you'd have. I eventually went to one of their meetings and it was during the beginning of the semester and I was able to find it an open source where they said, hey, come here and we'll put you in the game and we'll start you off and we'll get you rolling. And I spent the next six hours creating a character and got to play about 10 minutes of a game. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was it. <laughs> so that was like your sh- session zero then? Yeah, the exactly. So, okay, so that that's pretty cool. Like you were able to get online in a college community and find a group of people, which like back when I started, that wasn't a thing. So I'm actually kind I of don't, I don't think you even had the internet back then. Well, <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> I probably just didn't know how to use it. So actually, you know, Cameron, I'm kind of interested because, you know, I sort of know how you got into it, but I'm interested from your perspective to hear the story of like, you know, how coming into a group in my basement was like for somebody. Especially a group that's as crazy as Dylan, our group is just having played so long, I think it would be intimidating, but I'm glad that you are now a, you know, completely comfortable in it and everything. Yeah, it was, it was a little overwhelming, honestly. It was it was actually really kind of cool how our, our group ended up coming together. I think a mutual friend of Dylan and Christian's ended up working for me for a time a couple of years ago. One day in kind of passing, we were just talking about what our plans were after work. And he made the comment that he was going to be playing some, I think it might have been a Star Wars yeah. tabletop RPG or maybe some sort of other uh, D and previous D&D campaign. But so me and this guy were talking then. I made the comment about like, oh, D&D, that sounds so cool. I, I had always thought that would just be something really, really cool and fun to try out. And But 
just the opportunity had never really arisen. So he made the comments like, oh yeah, my friend that I play with Dylan, he's he makes the like the terrain and stuff out of like concrete and he does all the crafting for it. He's an art major and he's like super, super into this. And I was like, oh, that sounds so cool. And he was like, yeah, we ought to maybe play sometime. And so then we started just kind of talking about like, I wonder who we could even like get in on this and my brother-in-law my wife's brother he's huge into board games of all sorts and so i had mentioned it to him and my younger brother is is like just as about as nerdy as i am and so i'd mentioned it to him and then my sister's husband the same type of thing so we kind of slowly started like thinking of names of people that might be interested and it all happened to like all of the like the stars aligned one time where our schedules were all free so we all just we all literally just it was like showing up at this random house this random address and like having no clue what to expect but walking into the house and going down into the basement and just being blown away at the just the shelves and shelves and shelves of miniatures and all the paint and art supplies and just literally everything it was unreal and so that's kind of how we started and completely overwhelming though dylan did this really cool idea i think where he ended up kind of pre-genning our stats and everything we had prior to the game we had kind of talked about who would maybe play what kind of role in the game and everything and it was uh so we all kind of had a little bit of an idea who we might be playing but it took away a lot of the overwhelmingness of like having to create a character on the spot while not knowing the rules or anything so then we kind of yeah just sat down and jumped right into it and it was it was like really surreal like i think we played for about four hours that time and it felt like it was like 30 or 45 minutes it was it was really weird yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think the first time is always super interesting especially because we did the whole session zero thing where you know we kind of sat down and we're like hey this is like how we play this is what our rules are as a group and then more than that like we focused on how you how do you play like and i think one of the big things that plays into that is making a character i i've actually damned for a lot of people and i'll build a character for them and then they'll jump into the game and they have no idea how to play or what their character does and i think it's really important to have someone build their own character when they jump in. So like our first session, I remember us all sitting around the table and everybody, you know, handing back and forth the player's handbook, figuring out, you know, how their character was going to be built and all that. I was going to say, I don't think I even was a bard for that first session. I don't remember specifically. And it's just weird how you change so much from that initial session. Oh, yeah. I mean, we our group has changed dramatically, you know, as far, you know, we've been playing, what, three, four years now, and the characters that are still around from then are completely different than they were. And I was talking to my wife the other night about it, and I was like, it's almost like they've become jaded, like their character is jaded because of all the things they've seen, where before it was like, oh, there's this helpless person, let's go save them. And now it's like, Oh, there's this helpless person. They're probably a polymorphed lich that's going to murder us all. (laughs) Or a mimic. Just straight mimic. mimic. (laughs) So Christian, you were talking about how people kind of stick together as groups. And I think that's something that our group, and it's not a niche, but it's like when you have a good group, you stick with it. And something that we've done, and I'd like to hear your both opinions on this too, is like we were like, hey, we're going to, if we have someone new come, like once we had our group, we're like, this group is awesome and we love it. And we're like, if someone wants to join, we're going to tell them right away, like not in a mean way, but like, hey, like we'll have you come for a session or two and you can try it out and we'll see how you fit. 
because people play different ways and people have different personalities and someone might be a great person and they might just not fit in your game. And we've had a few people that we've said, you know, I'm sorry, but you just don't fit the dynamic. And overall, I think that was a good idea. We literally interview them and like it's we kind of put it up to an anonymous vote just to whether, yeah, whether they mesh well or not. Yeah, for sure. And we've had a few, like I said, you know, we've turned away a couple people and then we've brought in a couple people too. And the, the best thing is that it seems like there's there's always not a lot of immediate turnover we've had is that people stick with it. And even though they have maybe kids now at home and they have to miss a few sessions, they're still, you know, coming back at least, you know, once a month or as, as much as they can, just because they're, it's such a tight knit group now that it'd be weird if, you know, they never came back. I was going to say, we've had like Connor who had a lot of stuff going on for school and he had to step out for a little bit, but it was cool. Like, we were able to reintroduce, you know, write his character out for a little, bring him back in. So we're we're pretty cool with that, and we're lucky because most of the time we're able to meet, you know, three times a month for four hours a session, which I think is pretty rare. Yeah, and I think so. Like I like I had said, this is my only real experience ever doing D and D yet, so I don't have really anything to compare it to. But just from reading things online on Reddit and different things like that, like it sounds like we have a very like rare thing going where we've we've literally been playing the same like storyline for coming up on three years now with a couple split into like different chapters of campaigns or whatever. But rather than like running a supplement and then you get to the end of it and then you just kind of start over and everything. So I think that's been something that's really helped too. Just the fact that we're, we're building these characters and then we're like living through them and, and telling their story as we go. And so that's, I think that really makes it cool too. Yeah. And I think like that telling the story is like the biggest part about D and D like, yeah, you roll your dice and you know, you add some numbers and that, but like the story is what's most important which is super cool. So, you know, if I were to look at it, so I guess I'll answer the the topic then is how do you get into it? If you're new, you know, cause we're talking, okay, you know, we have this group and we had a friend or a friend of a friend who got us into it. You know, how do you get into it now? How, how do you jump into something? So what I've found is there are a ton of local communities, gaming places that either will run little groups that you can sign up for and you know maybe it's your local game store or whatever you can jump into there's a huge online community anywhere you look you know facebook twitter instagram which that didn't used to be a thing but now there's this massive online community that you can jump in and i'm one of those i guess old hats where you know i was playing it before there were all these big communities just with my brothers in my house or whatever. And nowadays I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's so cool. There's there's all these conventions you can go to. And if you're just starting out, maybe a convention isn't right for you because it's just so overwhelming and huge. But if you're trying to figure out how do I play it, where do I go, check out your local game stores, ask around a little bit, and then you know look around online because there's online communities that do role playing too, which is super cool. Oh, tons of online communities. I know a lot of the communities that I looked into to try and find a group in Ohio State, they were all over Columbus, maybe not specifically Ohio State, but just communities of people that enjoyed the topic of tabletop gaming that they would run just side, you know, small games of uh, they would try out this, you know, specific game that came out recently and then they moved to a different one and all these different communities of uh, people who you know, all started, it seems like, uh, with just a love for role-playing and tabletop games in general, and now they're diving into, you know, tons of different um, new games and 
new experiences because of it. Yeah. So, and that's actually a pretty good segue into our next topic, which is like, what is role playing? Like, what does it look like to role play? How do you do it? Is it awkward? Like, it, you know, how far do you go kind of a thing? <laughs> um, so, so that's sort of the, the next topic that I'll sort of segue us, the three of us into is, you know, what is role play? How far do you go? What do you do? Do you do the voices? All that fun stuff. Ready and action. So I guess it's kind of hard to say because everyone's different. I know when we first started, easily the first several months or so of playing D&D, it was just kind of a matter of like, it gets to say my turn and I would do kind of the like the classic. I would say to him, uh, where is this at? And kind of going through that way. For me personally, so as Dylan had kind of said, I took my first actual turn like DMing for our group and it actually our campaign just ended a couple of weeks ago and it lasted for about a, a year and a half and uh, that was a lot of fun. But prior to that, there had been a couple of instances where Dylan would have something come up and last minute it was like, well, shoot, I'm not going to, I don't know if we're going to be able to play tonight. And so there was one time I had maybe six or so months after we started playing i had kind of expressed a little bit of interest and maybe someday trying it out and so one time dylan had approached me and said hey do you want to do you want to run a a one-off session or so and just so because i I don't have time to prep this and i kind of was a little nervous but i was like yeah i think i'd like to try that and so i did and and that was like the first time that i kind of felt myself like trying to role play a little bit maybe get more in character just because of the fact of like I part of me thought like this is what you're supposed to do as the DM and but like just doing it was the like the best thing to start like feeling more comfortable doing it I guess but yeah I mean you know the DM their job obviously is you know one to have fun but two to make sure everybody else has fun and part of that is to tell a good story and I think that as a DM you're forced into role playing all these different characters a lot more than someone who's just playing one character is And that's not for everybody. I mean, some people are like, whoa, I can't do that. You know, I I don't want to have to jump around and and, and try and figure out all the math and the story and the different characters and that. But for some people, you know, like Cam, you and I, we love that. Like, that's where we kind of live in the game. Small one, you've been playing forever. What and, and you've role played the same character for, oh, my gosh, how many years has it been now? You started when how old were you? You were what thirteen, right? Uh, yeah. And you oh picked my. it up. I say you probably what picked it up when I was in ca. Uh, no, late high school. So late you only would have been like ten. So you've been yeah. playing it. You've been playing it for almost <laughs> the same character for like literally 10 half years. your life. So literally. <laughs> So I'm actually super interested to hear your thoughts on that. I think the biggest thing is just being comfortable in your character and in your group. Because if you're not in a group that you feel comfortable to act in the way that your character would act or kind of be able to separate the fantasy of the world and real life and actually be comfortable with your group and what is what, that's going to be really difficult to actually delve into your character's mind and understand how they would move and how they would act and actually create a history for them. I think the biggest thing is besides being comfortable in your group is really engaging and understanding in the world around you. And if you don't understand the world around you and the lore around you, it's really difficult to have a character that can react to that. 
So a big thing was uh, when I'm playing my character, I always try and learn and understand as much as I can about my surroundings and the history I might have had with those surroundings. And I think a lot of people don't like to, I guess, act, over-exaggerate their emotions as a character. You know, people don't like to be super flamboyant or super outward with their, you know, emotions if they're angry or sad or whatever the emotion is. They don't want to act in that way just because it might seem weird to the other player, people <laughs> if they're not, you know, acting in the same way as their character. But once you're comfortable in your group and you're comfortable with who your character is and what their, I guess, motives are, what their drives are and how they are not a static thing, but they change over time, you can actually make them into their own little, I guess, being and uh, kind of get lost in the world, similar to how you get lost in the world of like Lord of the Rings or, you know, many of the other science fiction or fantasy novels that you've read as a child. When you get lost in the world, that's that's pretty much what I just do when I play my That character. was really good. Yeah. And I think, you know, speaking to that point about feeling comfortable with the group, I think that's huge because there's some groups where you can't you know, do a voice like, you you know, as a, even as a DM or as a player. And some people love that when you come in and you're like, Oh, you know, oh, grug, grug wants grub kind of thing. Like, you know, some people are like, uh, dude, that's weird. And, and it can get, you know, if, if everyone else is sitting around you, like, that's eh, kind of awkward, dude, like that can get a little bit. So people can feel like that is kind of weird. There, there can be groups who, don't feel comfortable with that and you have to feel comfortable with your group in order to role play and some groups are fine like you know i <laughs> a while ago i got a halloween costume there was like a wizard robe and i play a wizard and i was like you know what like i have a wand from harry potter world i got a stuffed animal spider for my familiar i got a robe like i'm gonna wear it <laughs> and i won't lie like i felt kind of embarrassed doing that because i'm like dude i'm like a freaking kid dressing <laughs> up or something you know but I did it, and I was like, I'm just going to see what people say when they show up. And pretty much everyone was like, dude, that's so cool. Like, that's awesome. And I was just like, oh, I can, like, I can be weird around these people. <laughs> that's so funny. So, you know, I think it, it's something that, yeah, like role-playing role playing is amazing because you get to experience another character in another world and, like, add to the DM's world. This is a communal story. But you need to figure out, you know, what other people are comfortable with. And maybe you can be the person, if you're the person listening to this, who says, you know what, I'm going to be the guy who shows up and goes over the top and wears the wizard robe or, you know, whatever, and pushes people. Or you're like, no, that's not for me. I'll just do the fancy voice. And that might, you know, help people to role play. Because I think one of the big things is the more that one person gets into it and role plays, like I've found having like, you know, Will Shane sit down, who is another veteran DM and player, and him jumping into his character. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. man, I want to jump into my character. Like, I want to have a, a voice for my character. I want to have all this stuff for mine. Yeah, that's a really good point. It takes like one person to break the ice to kind of get everyone else warmed up to it, too. Yeah, exactly. And And that's the thing is, you know, maybe you're not the person to break the ice, but, you know, if you are great, and if you're not, then you know, follow the leader kind of a thing <laughs> if it's something you want to do. I think a big thing we've talked about a lot, Dylan, is that my character, and since I've been playing so long in with the same character and in the campaigns that you've been running, I am able to kind of, I wouldn't say like digress what's happening faster, but I'm able to react faster because I've already been in 
similar situations uh, normally. And it seems like I always will take the lead on a lot of non-combat things, not just because I'm a bard, but because I feel like I'm confident in my character and what he wants and that kind of stuff. And I think that can be a problem sometimes because I take away from other people too. And I don't give them the chance to, I guess, role play better. So it's also important when you are really, once you think you know your character well and you're able to role play them, you're able to delegate that to other people and draw them in uh, more than you just doing all the talking and all the, I guess, all the actions. That's a fair point, but I would almost kind of argue something. So like, like role play is super big into this, obviously. And that's, that's literally one of the, the words of the acronym you know what i mean it's an rpg but i would almost i could i could almost make the argument that you don't have to role play to get into this and i feel like everyone has a role like so like for instance like dylan and christian i feel like at our table are like the they're the actors they fill the actor role of our group they're they're the two well the the will guy that was mentioned as well too but the ones that just really get into character and that that i mean like you could literally i feel like in a lot of our games just kind of close your eyes and sit back and it would be like listening to like a an old school radio presentation of a story just with the the different voices and the animation that you guys project through through your voices and everything and but there's other i feel like you could say there's other roles too though i mean there's uh obviously like the, the tactician like someone that's more looking at this game as like a war game type of thing where combat rolls around to them and they're meticulously like eyeballing the the, the playing field in front of us and looking at it from different angles and strategizing two or three turns in in the future sometimes that if they move here that can open up for that to lead to this and so i feel like uh as important as role play is, you you could argue that you don't have to get into role play and still have just an amazing time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because it is a role playing game. You know what I mean? Like just like a war game is a game. Like there's strategy to it. There's rolling. There's numbers. There's all this stuff. And some people feel more comfortable saying, "Well, you know, I'm going to do this because that's what my character would do in this situation." And I know that's kind of like a taboo thing, but you know, jumping in and saying like, you know, this this is something that my character feels passionate about, and not the like, "Oh, I'm doing it just because," but but it's something that they're they're really really you know passionate or dedicated to doing as character. So for instance, like my character who is all about protecting magical knowledge and normally he's super self-serving, but if, you know, something were to happen where it's risking a magic item, like maybe he would throw himself in harm's way kind of a thing. But in any event, that's more the role play part. The, then the, the tactical part is some people sit down and they're like, you know what, like this is a game and I can do the role play thing. But I'm more the guy who I like to roll the, the dice. I like to watch my attacks, you know, stack. And I like to kill stuff. And that's like how I get my, you know, joy out of it. And some people can get those two different groups together in a group. And I think we've kind of done that as we've combined the role player with the tactician. And other groups are like, you know what? No, like we're all role play or we're all tactical. But I feel like with our group, it's important for us to have a balance, which is like when I DM, 
I try and make sure I have some role play stuff and some, you know, fighting stuff. Yeah, I would agree. You've always done a, a super good job about knowing that if, if say, last session had a ton of role play and lore building and meeting NPCs and really cool stuff like that, usually you can normally count on the next session having um, maybe a little more combat than normal just to kind of balance it back out and just help kind of cater towards other parts of the game too. Yeah, and I think that's just knowing your players. Like, if you're a GM listening to this or DM, whatever you want to call yourself, like, that's the biggest thing is know what your players like. Know what you like because you need to have fun too. But once you figure out, okay, like, this is what this person likes, this is what this person likes, you can way more easily make a session or encounter that everyone's going to enjoy. You just have to be cognizant of what the players really are looking for to get out of this entire game. And some people, like we said, would be, you know, fine with entire sessions of just lore building and uh, living in the world without actually having to do any combat where other people just want combat. And that's the only thing that happens. And I think as long as everyone in the party and the DM discuss what they really like and what they're uh, looking for, then you can find a nice balance or hopefully figure out how to accommodate everyone into it that one person doesn't you know, seem too, I guess, annoyed that the entire session is going one way or the other. Although if that does, you know, happen where the entire group is for it and the DMs for it and there's just one person that seems to be, you know, not able to put aside their, you know, I just want to roll the dice and I don't want to do anything else. And I think that can be a major problem in a group and it can cause a lot of rifts. But that's the big thing about communication and understanding that you have a player like that. You just need to work out and say, well, how can we get you involved and how can we figure out how to make you, uh, I guess, have fun with this, but we can still play to our style of play. Right. And I think that's important too. Like if you are someone who, you know, you know that your players love combat and you just don't like, so, I'm one of those people who combat's great, but I love the story. I love the role play. So like I'll throw in, for those other players who love the combat, I'll throw in quick combat, you know, quick stuff that they'll kill it in a couple of turns, but it's still kind of threatening and they feel awesome afterwards and they get their fix. You know what I mean? So it's important to know your party as a DM for sure. And it's important as a party member to know like what everybody else likes too. So you're not the one sitting there being a bard. Like I would like to sing a song for the next three hours in the bar. Everyone else <laughs> sit down. <laughs> That that's me. Yep. <laughs> but it's nice because, like, I mean, like you said, they, we have people. I think Cameron and Jacob are both really good in between strategists and role players, where you ha- you're able to do role play very well, but you're also level headed enough to understand how to strategize and how to, I guess, perform combat in the best possible way. And if if we I didn't have that and I didn't have the level headedness of you guys, a lot of times my crazy outlandish plans would, I guess, cause complete another just you know destruction i know a lot of times i had some outlandish ideas that sometimes those actually worked really well and you guys would be okay with it and sometimes those were horrible ideas and it would just ruin the entire session so it's just good to have a mix of players sometimes to keep each other in check and kind of help each other out if they're super into role playing and if they're super not it's nice i guess sometimes it can actually help 
Yeah. So we're already a little bit over the time here. If either of you need to sign off, that's totally cool. I'm going to bring up our last topic here and we can kind of wrap things up, which so we, you know, we've talked about how do you get into it? You know, what? So how do you get into it? What is role playing? What does that look like? And then the last thing that I want to kind of talk about is what do you need to play? So if you're jumping into this game, so we said, okay, how do you get into it? You're like, okay, cool. Like I have a family friend or a friend of a friend, or I've looked online, or I found a community, and I figured out how they role play, I figured out what I want to do with that, then it's, okay, what do I actually need to play? You know, what what is it? And at that point, you're probably like, okay, I already know, you know, but if you're someone listening to this, and you're going, okay, you know, I want all three steps, what is it that you need to jump in? So, you know, I've been doing this, again, for a really long time. So I'll kind of open it up to the two of you, and maybe Cameron, you can you can kind of jump in first, being the newest of us to this. What is it that you feel like you need to play as someone who is brand new to D and D? Whether it's you know we play an older edition, we play three point five, or if you're someone jumping in for fifth edition, like what do you need? No matter what edition you're playing, to jump in. First and foremost, I think you just kind of need, like, I would say a guiding hand. So, like, when, when we showed up to Dylan's house the first time, I literally had a, a notepad of paper and I had, like, a pencil. And that was it. Like, Dylan Dylan had dice for us all to use. We were, like he said, we used 3.5. And a lot of those rules with the SRD you can find just by Googling it. So we were able to, to do that for a lot of our questions and stuff. But, I mean, we've, we've literally got by with just having someone kind of take our hand and walk us along the path. And as kind of corny or whatever as that sounds, I think that was it. These days, though, I think you can... I, I would say this is this is the... Today's probably the easiest way to get into D&D that has ever been. So, I mean, you literally... I, I started running D&D, actually, for my, my little cousins a couple of months ago after just always showing them pictures of Dylan's creations online and showing them pictures from our game and showing them like the, the minis that of our characters that Dylan had painted for us. And they were just like, like so pumped to always ask how the game was going and stuff. And so I started running for them though. And I, I literally bought a, a dry erase grid map off of Amazon. And then they came over and we had dice to give to them and just like kind of like a printed simplified condensed version of the rules and stuff. And, but these days you can download apps on your phone for dice rolling. I mean, you can get Spotify or Pandora for free and you can find playlists. Like it's, I would say it's as easy to get into as possible nowadays where you don't really need a whole lot other than just someone with an imagination. And you, I've seen pictures on Reddit even of people using like Lego figurines and stuff like that for like the miniatures or even just taking little um, like circles of paper and drawing like a, a tiny little figure on it and using that as like the stand in on the board and stuff. So yeah, I, I don't think it really takes a lot other than just willingness and some maybe a little bit of creativity. I think that's awesome because like the whole thing with this hobby is you should be able to do it with nothing but, you know, a pencil, some paper and dice. Like that's kind of how it literally theater of mind everything, too. I mean, you could literally just sit around a table and just kind of role play and just describe what you're doing and just kind of build a story from there. So I feel like we take it for granted a lot, like how spoiled that we've gotten with having. I mean, the the listeners on here have, I'm sure, seen so many videos and pictures and stuff on the, the YouTube and Facebook page of like like how awesome of a setup we have and everything and and for me that's literally all i've ever known because that's 
that's the extent of my history with D&D. But it's it's easy to take that for granted, though, when you see posts online of people using really creative and like like ingenuitive ways of like coming up with little paper miniatures and like i said lego figurines or using i've even seen a post where someone was using like they got a bag of skittles and a bag of like m&ms and they were using the different colored candies for like different things on the map and stuff and like they like where there's a will there's a way you know what i mean so it's really cool yeah, and I think that, you know, I guess the big idea is, like, you can do as little or as much as you want. Like, if you just want a dry erase board or a piece of paper, a pencil and some dice or an app or whatever, like, you're in an era where you can do that, you know, with the books or with a PDF or whatever. Like, you can run games or you can play a character, and that's super cool. And you can do it with as little as you want, but you can also go extra mile and have you know the 3d prints and the crafted stuff and the terrain and that's kind of you know my channel is all about oh like i'm going you know and doing all this stuff and it's not because i'm like oh i'm better than the the pen and paper person it's just because that's what i love to do like i love making it i love seeing people's faces when they walk in and they see this huge setup and they're like oh my gosh you know this is so cool it's so much more immersive i mean we've even gotten to the point where we have a a, like a widescreen computer monitor off to the side that whoever the dm is can run an hdmi to it and put up maps and pictures of npcs and we put our initiative order on an excel spreadsheet so like anybody can easily just look over and see who's up next and everything and it's just it's so cool you can like dylan said you can do as little or as much as you want to get into it i mean where's high tech now that we're able to have me still play with you guys even though i'm three hours away even after smallman's gone away to school he still rarely misses a session yeah and he'll just you know we have a camera that he can see what's going on on the board and then we have you know a phone or whatever hooked up to something that he'll talk through and and say what he wants to do so i mean that's awesome and actually you know small and i'd love to hear like what's it like playing that way and then on top of that because i don't know you know i've always kind of run my own thing like what does a D&D session look like at, at the Ohio State University with your group? <laughs> uh, well, to start, I think playing, I guess, uh, through a monitor, you know, not when you're actually in the room is is an uh, interesting experience. It's definitely much different. We have still, we're still trying to figure out the kinks. I know still having, you know, enough visuals and audio that you can actually tell what's going on and you're actually into it, but again, you can do as much as you want for it. We're still trying to build from get one camera, I think, to start where it was just the board and we we're just talking through it. And now we're up to two cameras where one shows my face and I see you guys a little bit. And I also have a picture of the board and, you know, we have it muted on some and not on others. And we have the, you know, I was coming out of a speaker last time. So it's just give and take of trying to figure out the best way to hear the group and still be able to communicate with you guys because a big part of D&D is communication and visuals uh, or audio just because you need a theater of mind so if you don't have the if you can't hear the DM talking to you specifically about the terrain it's nice to see the terrain and actually see the details but if they do describe it in detail then you don't really need the terrain you just need you know a drawing or anything pretty much you could just be in your mind so that's what I thought of when you're talking about theater of mind is that you do have to take a lot of theater of mind when you're not in the room and you're just hearing it and observing it from a, uh, from a distance away. It's a, it's a different experience. It's definitely an interesting one. I'd say I, I don't dislike it. I don't like, you know, think it's that much worse than being in a real session. It's just difficult to, I guess, have the side conversations with your buddies, you know, 
it's hard for me to give in some of my jokes because I always joke around with the guys. And I think that's the big thing is, you know, my delay may be a little bit. So I'll say a joke and it's a few seconds later and you guys won't hear it or you will. And it will be like a few seconds after and it'll be awkward trying to get that, you know, timing down. And I think I think between like player and DM, it's completely doable, completely works because I can hear as long as you can hear the DM and you can communicate to them and your party just a little bit like you would in a real life situation, then it, it works out fine. The only trouble is if you can't hear your DM or you can't communicate to them what you want to do, that's when it gets more difficult. And that's when you have, you get kind of bored or confused because you, you know, you wanted to do this, but nobody can hear you. And you kind of feel like you're just talking to a computer screen and nobody's even interacting with you. So that's the big problem with it is if they can't understand you and you can't communicate well. So what does it look like you know, because Cameron and I have kind of been with the same group here. What's it look like with your college group? Like, do they use dry race boards? Do they use terrain? Like, what do they do? Well, I've been at a few different groups playing at a few different kinds of d and I played 5e. Uh, now with my current group, I also played a Star Wars edition of Fantasy Flight. And I also played a kind of Zombify 5e D&D spinoff, which was interesting. And they all seem to start off, every group, it seemed like, started off just with a, you know, paper and pen or dry waste marker and whiteboard. And we would just use pretty much whatever we had. So some of the players had full dice sets. Some of them had nothing. Some of them had tons of, you know, characters, minis. But kind of how a camera talked to you, you kind of need a guiding hand to DM. And a lot of times the DM would bring the dry erase board markers. They'd have a few mini select minis for you to use and then you return them after and that would be just how you play and you know even if they didn't have minis they would have we would just take i know i used a a, a nickel for my mini for one session and you know it's just you do whatever you can do and uh now they've advanced now it seems like as you get more into your group and your group i know we did a little like pool together of money and we bought actually a uh, big pirate ship that would be used as our setting for a campaign and i think that's the big thing in college is that you're just trying to do it as cheaply as you can while still being as immersive as you can so they've definitely progressed a lot since the first time i uh, met with them from you know dry erase board and marker to now everyone has a mini and they have monsters that all have minis and it's it's definitely a different feel but i think either way whether it's dry erase boards or miniatures and giant terrain it's all about the game it's all about just having fun and being open-minded to the game yeah that's super cool and actually that's probably a topic off to add for later is like what does your dm do kind of a thing or like how do you go about getting stuff because like me i just love it so much i just spend all my money on (laughs) minis and terrain (laughs) you know all that like but for somebody who is like hey like we're just meeting together with a bunch of college kids. Like, how do we do this? How do we get stuff? How do we, you know, play the game kind of thing? How do you play it for a, you know, cheap amount of money? Because it's it can be a little daunting to people, I think, sometimes when they look up different, uh, the books cost first. If you just want a player's handbook, you know, to start off, it's still 20 to 30 bucks, you know, maybe 10 bucks if you find it pre-owned. But it's still a big investment for people that are not, I guess, used to it, unless you want to just jump in with, you know, nothing at all and you have a guiding hand at least has something that will help you a lot right and and a lot of it now is free on the srd for people everything from you know 
monsters and player classes and that. So it's more accessible now than it's ever. Oh, been. definitely, definitely. Especially if you're playing five E. But if you're looking at specific gaming, I know the Fantasy Flight Star Warriors was alone. You know, you can't really jump into that unless you have the dice and you have the specific rule book, and it's a lot more difficult to kind of jump into a tabletop game like that than if you're just going to play D and D five E. You can just <laughs> you can make your character online and. You're, I know your DM, I actually, my DM, I wasn't a very, you know, aware of and intelligent enough to understand the D&D Beyond entire portal of how you make your entire character on that. I'd never done it before. And so he helped me out a little bit. And now I'm able to, you know, I've, I'm, I know the system well enough that I can make a character level up all with a single click of a button. So no, I, I think that's a pretty you know salient point is there's so many tabletop games that you can play either for free or that you know maybe they are more expensive kind of a thing. And that again, I, I kind of like as I'm listening to this and we're talking about this, I'm like, oh my gosh, we could go on for hours because there's so many different topics like you know different conventions and and learning about games and what you need for them. And there's just a ton. So that's why we're making this and we're we're still trying to you know playing with it we're trying it out hopefully anyone who's listening to it enjoys this and you know this is something that we're hoping to bring a little bit more content to the critical crafting channel with this to say you know it's not just me like yeah i'm making all the these crafts and stuff and I'm making all this terrain, I'm making all these things, and I want everyone else to be able to make them. But at the same time, I want you guys to hear the stories of the people who use them. I, I'm not, you know, nothing great exists in a vacuum. And and I want my team to be able to talk with you guys and share their stories and, and you know, kind of build a, a sort of playlist or channel or whatever that's sort of a, a sub thing here talking about it. So I kind of want to wrap things up here mainly because I need to go eat some food. Uh, so that's right. I don't, this is the first thing I've eaten today. I am the It's because I, I stole your food as a child. Let's be honest. Or anytime you come that's over to the house. Honestly true. That's right. <laughs> I literally when Okay. So for anyone listening, and this will be another topic. How do you provide food for your players? <laughs> We're going to add that. Because anytime small one comes over, I have to almost double the amount of food that I'm getting for five people. Like, <laughs> that's not natural. So anyway, so I'll let both of you, you know, we'll start with camera. We'll go to small one. If you have any closing comments, ideas, stuff that you want to tell people, hey, we're going to talk about this. And then that forces me to talk about it later. Let's go ahead and we'll do that. And then we'll kind of wrap this up. Uh, definitely keep an eye on what we're going to be posting here. We have a, a ton of really cool ideas. 2020 is going to be a huge year for this brand. And there's all sorts of conventions and I, things getting lined up for that. A lot of really cool partnerships that, that Dylan's been working on getting kind of set up. And it's going to be really, really cool. So I know some of the things just to give a... Maybe a couple little teasers here. We're going to be doing a, some content talking about some different characters that we've played as, some of our favorite like classes and races and stuff. We've toyed a little bit around with maybe uh, making some sort of like a campaign diary type of thing where we're going to kind of share the the campaign and retelling the story audibly. And one thing we think could be really cool with that would be that just so many people out there, I, I think it literally just takes one little spark to kind of get that uh, creativity going and like i know that i there i, I went a, a, quite a bit of time of 
kind of feeling like I maybe wanted to test the waters with running the game, but not really knowing how to or whatever. And so I think my my hope would be that us sharing some of the the cool things that have happened in our story would only be ideas that people could steal and implement into theirs. And I don't think there could be anything cooler than knowing that we had some some little tiny part to play and someone else's campaign kind of working itself out. So I would definitely say stay tuned and we've got some really cool things coming your guys' way. And also make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. Yeah, I mean, that's all, all things true there, uh, Cameron. Uh, I think the only thing I can add to that would just be uh, we're going to be hopefully talking about a lot of stuff from the basics all the way to stuff that maybe you've never even thought about that would interest you and hopefully you enjoy. Something that I really want to touch on is, I guess, classes in tabletop games and how they don't need to be you know, mid-maxed to have fun. You don't need a class that is you know, the best class in the game to have a good time you can play a character that is actually crap and you can still enjoy it just because it's not about you know winning the game and having fun in the game are two very different things so i i just uh would tell you guys to uh look out for more podcast episodes and more videos from critical crafting and uh, we're going to be hopefully hitting you up with a not a lot of new content up in front here but it's it's going to be a busy time for us so like uh, cameron said we're going into a whole new busy busy year for the brand and we're going to try and balance a lot of our new responsibilities and new challenges with the ones we already committed to dylan's been committed to a lot of different stuff and we're just here to help him as much as we can so uh just keep an eye out for uh, more episodes and definitely hit that subscribe button thanks for tuning in guys and we'll talk to you soon Show us what you got.